You know, one of the uh, things that we sing in that song is, you are faithful, you are faithful. And I, you know, we don't always take the time to to thank God for everything he does in our lives. But I, I was just driving in here this morning, early this morning, and I'm, I'm just driving across that blacktop, you know. And if you've been here more than, uh, you know, more than a few months, you go back and remember what it used to look like, you know. We, we loved our church, you know. It was always great to us. It was beautiful to us. But you start looking at all the landscaping now, and you look at the blacktop, and you, you look at the buildings and how we keep renovating and keep doing things. And this, this building is next. Um, early next year, we're going to look at, we'll see, look at renovating the inside of this building. This carpet needs to go. There's so many things that need to be kind of upgraded. But... We're always thinking, I'm always thinking of the future, what needs to happen, what's next, all those kinds of things. But um, I just wanted to stop this morning before we jumped into the sermon and just pause and thank God for all the incredible things he's done for us as individuals in this church and, and for us as a whole, the church as a whole, the, the facilities, all the, great, all the great miracles that God has done in, over the past, really, 14 years for us as a church. And so can we just stop for a moment and just praise him and thank him. Let's just bow our heads. God, we thank you for this church. God, we thank you for most of all a healthy church, a church where people can come together and focus on you, focus on their spiritual lives and where they need to grow, to focus on people next to them, the people in this community, the people around the world, that we can take the time to focus on the things that are important to you because we're not caught up in all kinds of controversies and issues and problems. So just the fact that we have a healthy church is such a praise and a blessing. So we thank you for that. We thank you for the facilities. We thank you for the opportunity we have to worship in this place, that you've taken an an old manufacturing plant, Lord God, and, and turned it into a place that is alive seven days a week, that there are so many people who come here during the week to to be a part of this community. And Father, we're so grateful for all of that. And we, we do look forward to the future. And we, we're going to thank you right now in advance for all that you're going to do in this church. And we thank you for even this morning, for the way you're going to touch lives even this morning. And we give the praise and glory to you for everything that happens in this church, whether it's here on this campus, whether it's in our global community. Father, you receive all the praise, all the glory for everything that we do as a church. We humble ourselves and thank you for allowing us the privilege to be your servants. And we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Why, why is it that um, most successful insects live in large uh, collaborative communities? Why is that? You ever think about that? Uh, for, for, for many reasons. There's a lot of reasons. For one... Um, they're, they're able to, they, they have strength, if you will, in numbers. You know, if there's a whole bunch of you together focused on one goal, there is strength in numbers. Social in- insects have some, some strategic advantages over their solitary rivals, if you will. Um, social insects can find, you know, food, large amounts of food and other resources. And then they can communicate where they found that food with each other. And the rest of the, the hive or the rest of the community can kind of go out and gather up that food. And uh, they can better defend themselves. You know, when, when, there's a, when there's a predator or someone is attacking them, they're better able to defend themselves. How many people have ever walked into a yellow jacket's nest in their life? 
Raise your hand if you, when you were a kid or whatever else, right? You don't forget it, do you? Right? The little bitty things are not that big, but you know they're there when you walk into their area, when you walk into their territory. You didn't mean to go and bother them, but uh, you did, and they let you know it. They're better able to defend themselves. They're, they're better to, they, can, they can out-compete other insects, solitary insects, and even large animals for territory and food. They can do that. They're able to out-compete. And when they need to build a shelter, if there's many of them together, they can build that shelter and they can expand that shelter as necessary. As they continue to grow, they can expand their shelters. There's so much that goes on, so much they can do more than the solitary insects that they compete with every single day. We as a culture, in our, in our culture here in America, we pride ourselves on being independent, right? We want to be, we want to be independent. And I don't, think that's, I don't think that's wrong. I really don't. You know, I, I hear people sometimes criticizing America. And I, I think we are the greatest, I think this is the greatest country that ever was on the planet. And I think the structure that is set up for us to live under is the best structure ever set up on the planet. So don't get me wrong here. But as Americans, we really pride ourselves on our independence, we want to be independent. We want everyone to know that we're independent. And again, that, that, I don't think that's wrong as long as we use our individual strength to, to advance the whole. As long as we're thinking, how do I use my individual strength, the independence that God has given me, that this country has given me, to build the whole, to invest in the whole, to apply to the whole. In Western culture, the individual... And individual interests often have more value, if you will. We, we give them more value than when it comes to uh, what's maybe best for the community. So often I see that, that, you know, we, we make decisions in this country um, very often on what's best for one individual. And we forget what's best for the whole, what might be best for the community, what might be best for the collective, if you will, the people within the culture. We often make me more important than we and personal independence as seen as a, as a goal in and of itself. Independence is like this goal in and of itself. Again, we love our independence. We love our financial independence. And we love, sometimes we love relational independence. So people will say, you know, I don't need anyone. I can do this myself. I, I got here by myself and I pulled myself by my own bootstraps and all those kinds of things. And again, it's, it's healthy to be strong in and of yourself. It's healthy to feel good about yourself. But sometimes even a really good thing like our independence, even the, even the best thing can be taken too far. We can take it too far. God doesn't want us to be totally independent. That's not really his goal. He doesn't want us to be totally independent. He, 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 wants, to ta- he wants us to take a little bit of a, uh, an experience from our insect buddies and, and be more interdependent. To be connected to each other, to take our individual uh, gifts and talents and abilities and apply them to the whole so that we're working together. So, yes, we have that independence. We have that individualism, which I think is extremely important. Other countries don't have that. 
But to take that individualism, to take that independence and apply it to the whole, to be connected. God has, listen, designed this world in such a way that you cannot fulfill your purpose on this planet without connectedness, without being being a part of the community, without being a part of the whole. The way he designed us and the way he set up this world. We cannot fulfill our ultimate purpose without each other. Paul tells us that we are one in Jesus Christ. We are, a, we are one body in Christ. We belong to each other, he says. We need one another. We need each other. So here's what I want you to do this morning. I did this a little bit last week, but I want you to turn to the person next to you, right and left, and say, I need you. Oh, come on. <laughs> You're all nervous. Now, the, now the guy who I set up last week, he, now he's liking this. He's thinking, I need you. You know what I mean? <laughs> what did I say last week? You're wonderful. Remember? Said, you're wonderful. So that was your first date. Now's your second date. And you say, I need you. I need. So turn and come on, say it again. Say it with enthusiasm here. Yeah. Yeah, we need each other. There you go. I need you. People love to think, you know, and I, I quickly grew out of this when I, when I became a pastor. Um, I know I need you. I certainly need God first and foremost. We can't do anything without him of significance. Only what's done for Christ is going to last. Only what's done for him. So I can't do anything of true significance without a relationship with Jesus Christ, without Christ working in my life. And to be honest with you, I already know and I completely understand that I cannot fulfill my purpose on this earth without you. I need you. We need each other. This morning, I want to share uh, some, some biblical principles, some biblical reasons why it's important for us to be in community. Why, in a sense, we are better together. Why do we need to be in community? Why are we better together? That's what I want to share with you this morning. So number one, we are better together. Okay. We are together so we can grow spiritually. We come together. We are the body of Christ. We, we should be in community, if you will, because we can then grow spiritually. The Bible often talks about our spiritual life as a walk, right? You've heard of that before. If you've been coming to church more than a week and a half, you've probably heard, you know, walking with God. We talk about walking with God and we talk about walking with each other. In 1 John chapter 1, in verse 7, it says this. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Every experience, every experience we have is moving us and changing us, leading us toward a goal. All of us toward a goal. You say, what is my ultimate purpose in life? This is the goal of every single believer to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, to be more like Jesus Christ and to follow wherever he chooses to lead us. So we become more like him and we follow wherever he chooses to lead. Everybody in this room should have a desire to grow in their relationship with God, to spiritually grow. That should be your number one priority. 
And we cannot do that effectively outside of being together as a community. Yes, we want to study at home. Yes, we want to, we want to, we want to read on our own. These are all important. We pray on our own. But, there, but there's something about being a part of the body of Christ. There's something about being connected to others. And we'll get into this and how important it is as we go through this. But there's something about being connected to other people that allows you to become the man or woman of God that you've been created to be, that you cannot do on your own. There are certain things you cannot do on your own. And we need each other. We need to be in community with each other. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus speaks of himself as being the way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. For years, Christians were called people of the way, right? We are people of the way. But God never, never intended for us to walk this way, okay, to walk this way alone. God never intended for us to live this life alone. That was not God's intention from the very beginning. God, he had Adam, was not complete without Eve, We need each other. People need each other. God did not expect us, does not expect us, okay? Any of us, I don't care how strong you think you are emotionally, God does not expect you to go through this life alone or to grow spiritually on your own. Now, this has nothing to do with being married or single, but it has everything to do with being in fellowship with a community, with a a strong community of faith, walking this pilgrimage, if you will, together. All of us, all of us moving in the same direction with the same destination. Again, to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ and to spend eternity with Christ. That is all of our goals. And we walk this path together. We walk this journey together. You do not walk this journey alone. This is something that we need each other for. I need you in my life to help me grow spiritually. And you need me in your life. You need the other people around you in your life so they can help you grow spiritually. It's one of that when, when, when a married couple, when people get married, when you get a man and a woman together, they say, we want to be one in Christ. I've watched in my own marriage and I've watched in other people's marriages where you start over here and she starts over here. And there's a little there's rough times trying to figure out like, you know, it's almost like one was raised in France and one was raised in Germany. And those families are coming together and you have these cultural differences. But after a while, you begin to become more like each other in so many ways. You grow. One person helps you to see it's okay to squeeze the toothpaste in the middle. It's not going to the world's not going to come to an end. You know what I'm saying? But also in your spiritual life, also in your personality, also in your, in, your, in your walk with Christ, people can help you to see things that you normally cannot see on your own. Number two, when we're together, we can do the work that God has prepared for us to do. When we are together, we can accomplish the work the ministry that God has prepared for us to do. The ministry that God has called and designed us to do is better accomplished alongside of other people. Working together, working side by side with others in the community of faith. God has given us, we know this, God has given us individual talents. 
He's given us spiritual gifts. Every single person in this room who asked Christ to come into their lives has a spiritual gift or more than one spiritual gift and has individual talents. And he's given those to equip us for the work of ministry, to do the things he's called us to do. But listen, again, God does not expect you or even want you. And there's a difference. God does not expect you or even want you to do those things on your own. That is not his desire. He doesn't expect you. He gives you a task. God gives you something to do. And then God wants you to bring along people with you to accomplish what he has called you to do within the ministry, within your life. We are not to walk this path alone. He wants us to be interdependent. He doesn't want us to be totally independent of each other. He wants us to be interdependent. He wants us to be connected. Can you imagine, okay, we're we're talking about insects. Can you imagine 10% of the bees in the hive going out and collecting all of the honey, if you will, for the hive? And then those same bees, right, they they go and they protect the hive from from intruders. So the same 10% of the bees, whatever, a few of them just go out, protect the hive. They try to collect all the honey. They try to take all the little larva babies. You know what I'm saying? And they're doing it all by themselves. How do you think that's going to work out? It works out the same way it works out in a church when just a few people try to do all of the work within the church. You get a few people in the church, they're trying to 10% of the people trying to do 100% of the work. What happens is those people get burnt out. Each of us needs to use the talents that God has given to us. Each one of us has to use whatever gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given to us to build a healthy church. What I prayed about when when I first walked up here this morning, I thank God for a healthy church. You have no, I think you do. If you've been in churches for more than eh, three years, you know what a gift and how hard we should fight to keep this church healthy. People running around with all kinds of other things they want to do and they have these grandiose, and, and so do I, don't get me wrong. I, I've got more vision than I can handle. But you know what the number one priority in my life is? Keep this church healthy. Keep it healthy. Healthy things grow. If we're healthy, we're going to continue to grow. So we don't have to worry about growth. That'll happen as long as we're healthy. But every single one of you needs to think about the same thing. How many churches, and don't, don't ever, don't repeat or anything. Don't say, hey, yeah, me, I was over at this church. Um, <laughs> we don't want any testimonies this morning. But how many of you been in a church before where you had to walk away because you were like, it is so unhealthy. I mean, I love it. This is my church, but it's just so unhealthy. And I just, my ki- I can't put my kids in a situation or my family in a situation where it's so unhealthy. And we all have been there in situations like that in, in other churches. And, and what we want to do is we want to fight with all of our hearts to make sure, first and foremost, that we use the gifts and talents and abilities and the treasures that God has given us to make sure this church is healthy. To keep this church healthy and to fulfill our purpose, not just my purpose as an individual, but our purpose as a church. Really quickly, um, Satan, just think about this strategy. If Satan could get us fighting amongst each other about, I'm sorry, about stupid things, all right, because most churches are fighting a lot of the time about, they start out as stupid things and they escalate. So he gets us fighting over stupid things that really don't matter that much. And then what are we not doing? Let's see. We're not leading people to Christ. 
We're not going to take care of orphans and widows. We're not investing in the lives of people in our community. We're not growing spiritually, individually, spiritually, or or collectively. Why? Because we're spending all of our time focused over here instead of focusing on what's important. We need to build and, and use the talents that God has given us to build this body and keep it healthy. When, when, when we are called to a task, we need to, we need to work really hard at finding people who are stronger than we are in areas where we're weak. That's one of the reasons you want to be a part of a community. Because where you're weak, someone else is strong. You may have an idea, a really good idea that God gave you. Why do you think sometimes he gives you ideas that you can't pull off? Because he doesn't want you to pull it off by yourself. He gives you this idea and you're like, how am I supposed to accomplish this, Lord? I don't, I'm not able. Yeah, yeah, wait, wait, wait. You, you listen to yourself? You hear what you're saying? I'm not able to pull. Exactly. You need me and you need the body of Christ around you. Go find people who are stronger than you are in areas of weakness. Go find them and apply those people to what I've called you to do. Proverbs 27:17 says this. You've heard it before. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We sharpen each other. We become stronger. We become more focused when we work together. We need to work side by side and carry the load together. We should not be carrying any physical, emotional, spiritual load alone. We should do that together. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, it reminds us two people are better than one because they get more done by working together. I love Rick Warren. He said that snowflakes, he said, are frail. But enough of them, if enough of them stick together, they can stop traffic. Right? Little snowflake. Oh, put it in your tongue. It's all gone. Right? You get those suckers ganging up on you. Right? <laughs> and you got a big problem. And I'll add to that. You get enough of them to stick together and they can do almost anything. Right? We are shut down. Enough of those little snowflakes getting together. All of a sudden, everything. Not just stopping traffic. Stop everything. When we're together, we are powerful. When we're together, we can do almost anything. Working in community, working in community is God's, listen to me, working in community together is God's preferred way for us to accomplish the goals he's called us to. It is God's desire. It is God's command, if you will, to accomplish all that he's called us to do. And if you've been around here for more than a couple of weeks, you know that we have some ideas that are kind of unorthodox, outrageous, ridiculous, right? Some of the things that we're doing in our church a few years back when we brought them up, people were like, this, that's, it's not going to happen. That just, you know, they, they almost like they're humoring me. Well, you know, that's good. I hope good for you to think that way. You know, pastor, you know, pat me on the head, whatever else. And all of a sudden it started. And after a while, if you stick around here long enough, you're like, wait a second. He's not he's not that crazy. You know what I mean? And it's not they're not all my ideas because you're crazy as I am. Sometimes you just tell me and I get up and tell your idea and all of a sudden it happens. And so that's what's good about the community of Christ. I think God loves it. I don't know about you, but I love when people tell me I can't do something. (laughs) That would never work. I'm like, what? And then and that, that just gets me. I had to even catch myself sometimes. People say, oh, that won't work. And I almost, you know, even if I don't think I should do it, I want to do it just to accomplish it because they said I couldn't do it. 
And that's not, you know, that's not what we need to be doing. But what we need to do is make sure that if God has called us to something, that we're not thinking, I'm not capable of doing this because we are capable of doing this together. There's nothing we cannot accomplish. Number three, when we're together, we are more accountable. Now, I want you to really pay attention to this point. We're more accountable. In Philippians chapter one and verse seven, Paul says, I have you in my heart. Remember that. I have you in my heart. All of you share in Christ's grace with me. When you go on vacation, you leave your house, right? You go on vacation. I don't know about you, but I, I have neighbors that I really, I think are really great people and I trust them and I'll go to my neighbor. And if you have relatives living close to you, you do the same thing with your relatives and you'll say, Hey, would you mind keeping an eye on my house or keeping an eye on my stuff? You know what I mean? If you see anybody in the yard or whatever else, I'm going away and if anybody, they don't belong there. So if you could just keep an eye on my house and my stuff, why do we do that? Why do we do that? Because those things are valuable to us. So here's my question to you. Who's looking out for your spirit? You want people to look out for your stuff, right? But who is looking out for your spirit? The part of you that connect is connected to God. Your spirit is connected to God. Who is what? Who's looking out for your spirit? Because every single one of us in this room, I would venture to say every person in this room would agree that our spirit is more important than our stuff. Correct. Right. Our spirit, what who we are, our connectedness to God is more important than our stuff. Is there anybody in your life who is helping you walk on your spiritual journey? Is there anybody in your life that you've said, can you come alongside of me? I want you to help me. I want you to keep me accountable. I want you to keep me moving forward. Is there anyone helping you on your spiritual journey? Is there anyone who is encouraging you and, and, and standing by you so that you don't get discouraged, so that you, you don't get depressed, so that you don't stop having that passion and that fire for God. I mean, how many of us have gone through situations in our lives where we've, we've gotten discouraged, we've gotten depressed, and we've lost that passion, that fire for God, and it goes on way longer than it should have? Why am I saying way longer than it should have? Because if you had someone who was watching out for your spirit, they would come alongside of you and say, listen, let me walk you through this. Let me talk you through this. Or, hey, you know what I mean? Stop whining. Enough's enough. Move it along. You know what I mean? And challenge your thought process. You can get lost in your own head, can't you? Can't you? You can. You All of a sudden, Satan starts pouring things in there. Your sinful nature is talking to you. And you get yourself way offline. You get yourself way off track. Why does that happen? Because we don't have people in our lives saying, whoa, 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 wait, 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 time out. That's not, your, 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 your thought process is not right here. You're, you're, you're not thinking clearly. Is there anyone in your life that is challenging you in areas of weakness? Think about this. Is there anyone in your life challenging you in areas of weakness? Here's what I mean. We all, I raise my hand first, we all have blind spots. Areas of our lives that we just don't recognize as a weakness or personality flaw or something. We all have these blind spots in our lives. And we need people to come along and point those things out to us. How many people here have ever had your uh, your taillight go out on your car? Anybody have a taillight go out? Did you discover that on your own? No. The cop told you, right? 
<laughs> right? Or someone, or someone pulled up beside you and said, hey, your taillight's out. Or, or you're, you know, someone was, you drove in and you said, hey, your brake lights are out because they were following you somewhere. You find out your brake lights are out. You find out your taillights are out because someone else points it out. There's some areas of our lives that we just, we're, we have blind spots. We, we cannot see it unless someone else points it out and tells us. We need, listen to me, we need people who love us, that are around us, and draw our attention to those blind spots. We have to have those people to help us see what we would rather, okay, what we would rather not think about. We need people who are bold enough, who love us enough, and that we trust enough in our lives to point out areas of our lives from time to time that we're missing, that we just can't see. We're just booking along, living our lives or doing certain things and we don't see it. We don't, we don't recognize it. One of the greatest stories, I love this story, comes from 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 through 7, after David commits uh, adultery with Bathsheba. It says, The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there are two men in a certain town. Okay, so Nathan the prophet comes to David. David's the king, all right? No one's going to tell the king you got no clothes on. You know what I'm saying? This is just going to avoid this kind of stuff. So God says, go to David. I want want you to tell David something. David, and so Nathan goes to David. When he came to him, he said, there are two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle. But the poor man, I love this story, had nothing except one little ewe lamb that he bought. He raised it and it grew up with him and his children. He shared his food. It drank from his cup. Some of you have dogs that do the same thing. So um, wait, 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 where was I now? Okay, it drank from his cup, even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man. But the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. You're thinking, if you never heard this story, that guy should be beaten with a stick, right? David said, David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. You are the man. You know what we like to hear? You the man. <laughs> you the man, you the woman, you the man. But do we have, who do we have in our lives that will have the courage to look at me or look at you and say, you know what? You are the woman. You are the man. You got some blind spots, okay? The reason that you're not doing well in your company, you're not moving up, is because your 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 attitude and your person, this personality flaw, your social your social etiquette when it comes to these kind of things. People don't like to be around you sometimes when you behave this way. No one wants to tell anybody that. Spiritually, you're 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 how many how you're 25 years old as a Christian, and I. 
I, I really couldn't tell um, by the way you live your life. And has anyone ever come to you and said those things to you? Those are blind spots in our lives. We're just cruising right along. And we need people in our lives that we love and we trust to look us right in the face and say, you are the man. You are the woman. You need to get your act together spiritually in these area areas. We can only listen. We can only access this kind of accountability in the context of community with other people who we love and who we trust. There's a building there's a, that we've built love and trust with those people. And when they say it to us, we can accept it. That is the kind of community that God wants us to build here at Grace Chapel. That is the kind of heart that God wants us to have here at Grace Chapel. I, I, I want so much for this church to do so many amazing things, but more than anything else, because in my opinion, we'll never get there if we don't live this out. I want us to be incredible. I want us to be second to nothing. I want us to do things that other churches around the world will copy and apply to their churches because God's given us those opportunities. But we need to do this in community together, accountability together in love. This is the kind of community God wants us to walk. He wants us to walk together. He wants us to fight side by side together. He wants us to come alongside of each other and walk through hardships together. He wants us to challenge each other. We all know that there are situations in life. You all know this, that we were not meant to walk alone. You were not meant My friends, you are not meant to face life alone. You are not meant to grow spiritually alone. You are not meant to face the the hardships when it comes to physical or emotional or spiritual hardships alone. You are not meant to do those alone. You are not even meant to fulfill your purpose alone. When you came in, you were given a ring, right? Take that ring out. I love rings. You know why? Because they symbolize something complete. A ring symbolizes something complete. It is complete. And the amazing thing is, when you came to know Jesus Christ, you, you became a complete person. We are like individual rings, okay? You have a ring, it's yours, individual, you take it home. We're like individual rings. When we came to know Christ, we were complete and perfect in our standing with God. And here's the thing. If we take those rings... If we take those individual rings and we bring them together, they form a powerful chain. If you were to take those, that's why I got the rings that you kind of connect. You can see if you disconnect them and you connect them with other rings and you make sure they're not at the end that is weak, then you, you create this powerful chain that is not easily broken. If you connect that ring that you have with another ring, you can create a chain. And if they were larger rings, you could create a chain that is not easily broken. I want you to keep those rings because I want you to remember, okay? Put them somewhere that they'll remind you. Maybe make a little ornament out of it or something for Christmas coming up, all right? I don't care what you do as long as you remember that you were created for community. That God wants you to be in community. He wants you to be connected, And I want you to I want this to remind you that you have an individual right now. You have an individual ring. It's an individual ring. But I wanted to remind you that you need to find your place in connection with the chain. 
to become stronger overall. We need to connect with each other. We need to be bonded together. If we're going to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish, we are so much stronger and more capable together than we are alone. There are certain things that we cannot do alone, that if we come together through the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God working through us, that we can do that we could never do on our own. You may be frustrated in your spiritual life because God's not doing miracles, because God's not doing things that you wanted Him to do. Maybe it's because because you're a lone ranger trying to do it on your own and God doesn't he hasn't designed you that way and he doesn't expect you to do it he doesn't even want you to do it on your own I I, I started the uh, the service with an illustration using insects so I'll close the, the ser- I'll close the sermon with the illustration using an animal a couple animals there's a contest a uh, a horse pulling contest at a county fair and the, the horse who came in first was able to pull a sled with 4,500 pounds on it. The runner-up was able to pull a sled with all the weight on it of 4,000 pounds. So the two owners of the horses got together and said, I wonder how much our horses could pull if they pulled together. Now, that would be pretty obvious. Just do the math, right? This horse can pull 4,500 pounds, and this horse can pull 4,000 pounds. So together, they'd be able to pull. Do the math, right? Here's what happened, though. When they hooked those horses up to the sled, those two horses were able to pull 12,000 pounds together. That is 3,500 pounds more than what they could do individually. 3,500 pounds more than the two horses could do individually. Together, my friends, we are better together. We are stronger together. We can accomplish more together. When we use our time, our talents, our treasures, our gifts, our abilities together, when we combine them together... We are more than what we are as individuals. And there is nothing on this earth that can stop us from doing what God has called us to do if we connect with each other in community and we live that out in our lives. There is nothing that can stop us. Let's bow our heads for a moment. I want you to stand first. First stand. Stand up. I want you to bow your heads. And I just want to say this. There may be some people out here who have been listening to this series And you don't have a relationship with Christ right now. I'm talking about being community, being one in Jesus Christ, being uh, being a collective community. But you don't right now have that relationship with Christ. You've never asked him to come into your life this morning. This morning, I want to be your spiritual birthday. Right now, I want you to pray a simple prayer with me. The prayer is not magic. It's your heart that matters in what you say. I just want you to pray this prayer with me. God. You don't have to say it out loud. Just say it in your heart. God, I've been walking as an individual and trying to do this on my own for so long. I no longer want to live alone. I no longer want to accomplish my purpose in life alone. Your word says that if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. Then I'll be saved. I'll be in your family. I will be adopted into your family. I sense all these people around me, Lord God. 
And I want to be a part of that family. I want to be yours. I want to be your child. Not just created by you, but adopted by you into the family of God. So I give my life to you. I give my heart to you. And I ask that you would help me become connected to those who love you. So that I can fulfill all that you've called me to. I surrender to you. I love you with all of my heart. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit and that you would give me gifts and use my talents in such a way that it furthers your kingdom and furthers the cause of Jesus Christ in this church, in my community, and around the world. And I pray all these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I would love, just please just come up to me afterward and just let me know. Just let me know that you prayed that prayer for the very first time. Let's close out with a time of worship. Let's sing with all of our hearts. Let's celebrate.